Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. Hey, it's the Non-Fungible Podcast, NFP with D. Klein. Now you can find this podcast on Cointelegraph Magazine. All you got to do is go to www.cointelegraph.com slash magazine. Today I have an awesome guest. He's a director, he's a designer. Pretty much a master, you know, maybe a Jedi of motion graphics. I don't know what word would describe it, based on what I've seen anyway. It seems amazing. Sometimes goes by the name Fried Pixels, also known as James Ramirez. Welcome. Thank you for uh, joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's awesome. So I was looking through your stuff before the show, and I practically fell out of my chair looking at some of your stuff. It was amazing. I was looking at some of your stuff. You were talking about when you were working with MK12. Yeah. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so like, um, I basically like you know jumped into this whole art world kind of on a whim. It's like nobody in my family had ever been to college or done art or anything, so mm. it's really impressive that my mom was like, "Go for it, go to art school," and uh, it's kind of been into like web design and and stuff like that. So when I hit art school, I kind of hit this like, it was like this aha moment of learning like, oh, I've been like messing around with like web design and websites and flash and stuff. And yep. now I'm learning art and I was like, Oh, actually these two things are like combined. Like I can conjoin them. And so I went to the Kansas city art Institute. And when I was there, some of the, there was a local studio called MK 12 mm -hmm. and they're kind of like some of the early like pioneers in motion graphics. Like they were like doing stuff when, with this medium when nobody else really was, it was still kind of like video at that, at that time. Mm -hmm. And so I was lucky enough to like find out, like one of my you know, professors was like, Hey, like these guys went here, like you should hook up with them. I did an internship with them and then immediately like, you know, ended up like bugging them to get a job as soon as I graduated. And I worked with them for like 10 years and it was a really interesting, like place to start out in the industry because they were like such a very like niche weird oddball like they're in the midwest everyone's on the coast yeah it's not the type of place you would think typically would have a motion graphics yeah. kind of arts and, department yeah and so it just like it was this oddity and it was also like you know they called themselves an artist collective and it was mm -hmm. you know it it was like eight to ten people kind of like grew and shrunk a little bit mm -hmm. but there was like five partners five creative directors and so there was like this interesting kind of like um, dynamic with how things, responsibilities and stuff went amongst everybody. So it was a very interesting, like, growth place for me to learn things because I was very green. I didn't know, like, anything. And so I was learning from them. They were teaching me. And then the it was an interesting philosophy. I believe I, I really, like, put them as the reason why I'm different from most people in motion graphics because... Most people got into it from like a very technical or okay. hierarchical like positioning. And I came in as like MK12's philosophy was like to do this like cyclical thing of like, let's make art short films to get interest, to get clients, the clients, then we'll do client work for money. And then we'll go back to making another short film. So it became this idea of like funding yourself through starting your work. with the art. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. and it was such an interesting position at the time that like they could make these like very oddball, like short films and mm -hmm. they were so kind of like unique that advertisement was like seeing it and being like, Hey, like let's have like those guys like make us something. And so it, it became like an interesting way of approaching 
uh, filmmaking and motion graphics that I think stood out for most people. And then, and then it kind of like blew up into an industry and then it kind of got like very saturated with like different studios and artists and there was more people doing it. So it, it kind of changed a lot, but sure. that background really influenced like my approach to how I do things and like how or why I approach certain jobs and stuff. So, but yeah, it, I mean, it was amazing because I got to work on short films. I got, I got to work on my very first like feature films. I worked on Stranger Than Fiction with Mark Forrester was the director. Um, and that led to a great relationship. So we worked on uh, his next like three films, uh, Kite Runner, which is like mm -hmm. we just did titles, like a titled uh, sequence for that. And then he ended up getting uh, James Bond, mm -hmm. which like the guys <laughs> at the studio basically got into the industry to make like film titles like that's what they wanted to do that was like it's one of the grail. few movies that still has the credits run at the beginning where you fully watch the yeah. title sequence yeah and it's a part of the movie it's a part yeah. of the experience right yeah and and so like that's that's like that was like to them that was like the ultimate goal for them like that's what they were striving for and so when mark got that property it became the internal discussion of like, we're going to do everything we can mm -hmm. to work on that film. And so we started with like doing visual effects shots. Uh, we basically developed um, every smart device in the film. So like phones, there was a smart wall, smart table, smart, I don't know, computers. I basically did all that. And then mm -hmm. in the midst of that, we were like, hey, we're just going to like cold pitch them titles. Like we're just going to, Come, like we, we didn't we hadn't even seen the full film but the guys were like look we're just gonna do this we're just gonna go on a whim and do it and mark was like you guys i'll help you but you know it's like you know you kind of i'm here to support you but like you just just do it whatever so we did it and um at the time you know like there's only been like five directors of james bond titles over the years you know right and robert brown john has been the only non uh like european like british director to work on them so mm. we actually were the second non like you know british team to work on it because it's a very like british property they want sure they want to keep it that way and and support like to them it's like this kind it of like sense. legacy it's part yeah. of the culture of the movie right yeah so uh we basically you know we did that the the broccoli family who runs it you know was like you know this is here, look, let's, let's read you in. Here's the real script. Here's the thing. Now do us a real presentation. We did it. And then they're like, yeah, cool. Let's go for it. And so signed on, we did it. It was an amazing, crazy, uh, super, super truncated, crazy project. Um, Amy Winehouse was supposed to originally do the, mm. the soundtrack, the, the score for the mm -hmm. titles. And I, I don't want to say, I, I have to go back and look at the timing, but basically it was like, she was in rehab or something. It just right. wasn't wasn't right. timing out. And then now you look at it and you're like, man, that would have been like amazing to have like, you know, her voice to that, mm -hmm. seeing what happened to her. But it ended up being like, you know, Jack White and Alicia Keys, which I'm not crazy it's about the song, but it's awesome, still, though. yeah, it's still Jack White. You know, it's like, it's amazing. Um, I was just watching it before the show and I was saying to my wife, check it out. I'm watching, I'm talking to the guy who was part of creating this title sequence. Like, yeah, it's insane. And I, I don't know, something about watching a, a movie title sequence, you go, oh, okay, whatever. But then when you know there was a person there yeah. slaving away at this thing, building it, working yeah. on it for, I don't know how long, you said a year, I think? Well, I mean, so... Well, not just it, the title, but of yeah, course a yeah. whole bunch of the work, right? In the yeah, movie. so we, we like, were basically... 
we were responsible for a lot of things. We did, mm. it, was, it was probably like a year worth of full work of like mm -hmm. the film, the graphic shots I was talking about, the title sequence. We also did the video game title sequence. So okay. me and another person at the studio were also like animating, directing the title sequence for the game too that was right. coming out. And then we ended up doing like 23 cinematics for the game too. That was like in the style of like the UI for like the mm -hmm. devices in the film. They wanted it to tie over. So sure. So just that amount of work getting done by like, you know, 10 people. And we hired a couple of freelancers to come in and help us. We never used freelancers really, but we were overwhelmed, you know. Sure. And a production of that scale is so different. It's such a different beast. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's everyone is chipping in in different ways. We're all a part of it. Um, everyone, I feel like that was the amazing thing about the place like that was that we all had creative ownership, even though we weren't necessarily the ones maybe executing it, but we were all, everything was a discussion. We all brainstormed, talked about directions, worked on stuff as we could. Yeah. Um, my main thing for the titles, like, was that I did all of the sand for the titles. Mm -hmm. So all well, the sand visual effects. Like, I was looking at how that <laughs> broke down. That's pretty insane too. <laughs> so it's like, I had never done a like particle sim before. I had never rendered it before. I I learned 3D so that Studio That was your Max. first try at it with that? <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. So, so like before, oh, like we goodness. like, before we did the titles, like Ben, one of the creative directors was like, hey, look, I have this stuff that uses all the sand as like a main theme. Do you think you could do this? And I was like, give me a month. Let me, let me play around and let me see what I can do. And I, I came back with like, well, there was one test. that was like a spiraling kind of bullet with like mm -hmm. sand coming off. And I was like, I think I can do it. I was like, let's go for it. And he's like, okay. <laughs> so, so during the titles, that was my role was like, um, I, I, I just basically did all that. And then I ended up bringing in uh, one guy, uh, Jignesh, who came in and helped me. He was familiar with like the plugins and stuff I was using. Mm -hmm. So he was super helpful and just like educating me in a lot of things that I just didn't know how to do. Um, but yeah, so it, like it, it, that was, you know, that was my thing. And then like I helped, you know, with like creating, um, everything is thought about as systems there. So it's like an inter interesting breakdown. So like all of the typography is thought about as a system, each letter okay. moves in interest, like a specific way. And so all the titles throughout, I worked with my, my friend Heather uh, there too figure out how all the titles like the text should move and we're also trying to reference like you know maurice bender's titles of like having the dot traveling across to like tie back into the names so it's like all this like bond legacy right you want to like of course you want to like well you have to when you're watching a james bond title sequence you got to know it's a james bond movie, yeah right? yeah like, there's yeah, tropes yeah. you know it's like yeah yep. so like also like there hadn't been women like giant women and stuff like in titles for a while so we were like we're gonna bring that back and so um yeah, it was like all these things and we were playing around, you know, the, the guys, uh, Timmy and Ben and Jed got to go to like London and like shoot with Daniel Craig and and his stunt double and like do all yeah, this yeah, like yeah. stuff. So it was, it was amazing. It was like once in a lifetime project, you know, and so it was cool just to be a part of it. And, you know, like now anytime I grab like a Bond book that's about titles, I'm like, oh, I'm in this book. <laughs> it's like, like, you awesome. can't, like you can't remove. So was there a history. point, you know, kind of early in your career that you were like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like where you were like, oh, it was everything. so awesome that I'm a part of this. You know, like I even look back to your stuff like with Pokemon or. With, oh, yeah. You know, I, I feel like um, I'm, you know, I was like, especially during that period, I was just trying to absorb and learn as much as possible. And I felt mm -hmm. like. It's totally like imposter syndrome where you feel like there's better mm. people to be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this, but we were giving it our all. And I was 
I feel like my my career is a series of people seeing more potential in me than I did. So I I kind of always take the challenge like here's something I'm going to step up to the plate and just do my best. And I might not like it in a year, but that means that I've grown and I'll do better. So it's mm. like just trying to constantly do better. So I mean Bond was definitely like very surreal like that's a very very because like when you tell people like hey what do you do and i'm like oh i do motion graphics like what does that mean and you're like oh see that like commercial on tv it's kind of like that but when you say like yeah i do like you know what do you do i do film and tv like james bond like whoa what like (laughs) james bond (laughs) yeah so it's it sets like a different like bar for things um i have an affinity affinity for like the glitch stuff so i really like your uh, hardened volume one oh yeah thanks yeah that was super cool you know, like that's like, it's like, you know, it's all these like different things. Like every client you're like kind of pushing them around yeah. to like, you know, they wanted Harden, like Harden at that time was like launching his first Adidas shoe. And so it was mm-hmm. like, Harden's a weird character. Like, let's make it weird. And we're like, okay, we'll make it weird. And I was like, let's do all this like data moshing and like, let's just push it. And like the agency's like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And I showed them first day and they're like, oh, uh, like that's too much though. So it's like dialing it back and finding like where the safe zone is, you know, but yeah, it was yeah. fun. Like that was a great team. I did that one with a, a company called Royale. I was mm-hmm. uh, staffed there for three years as an art director. And uh, that, that was like, like that was like where after like leaving Kansas City, after like 10 years of being at MK12, I came to LA and, right. and I kind of landed in this position. And it was like, that's kind of also where I learned a not how much i had acquired from being in a place like mk12 i had acquired all this knowledge of the full production process you know because like we were, i was a part of like shooting on the green screen or like you know uh pitching or like you know presenting ideas concepting designing animating finalizing and then i came out here and there's a lot of people who are like oh, i just do animating or i just do this and so very specialized yeah i realized i had all this knowledge and that i could help out in a lot of different ways and so but then also just seeing the type of studio too like they were more much more like a traditional team setup where there was like a hierarchy oh, okay. and you're working on your role and so working on a project though it's like something like that is cool because you have like you know your creative director your art director your designer your animator and blah blah, blah. and so then you can kind of like you have more people to kind of like lean on and push things versus like i'm presenting this idea i have to make it <laughs> and like it's, it's just on you yeah, yeah yeah so it's like a very different dynamic but yeah it's fun so like you know coming to la i got to do like with them i worked on some like nike projects adidas and um kind of like those are like some of the bigger ones well like we also did like one of the jordan campaigns for like the mm. uh i think it was like the 29 or 8 or i don't know what it was one of those art of flight but it's cool. It's like, oh, it's a Jordan shoe. It's like amazing that you get to like do things no like that. So yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's just like different. Like every job is different uh, responsibilities and different uh, boundaries. And you're always trying to constantly push to create a boundaries because, you know, there's like a million Nike spots and it's like a million sure. Coke spots. So you're always trying to like find a voice within it that still exists within these uh, bigger branding guidelines and roles that they've established themselves. So you're always playing within a sandbox, but trying to push it as far as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it was, it was interesting working with them because I kind of switched back to doing a bunch more, just kind of like TV and web promos. Okay. And I did one title sequence with them. I did the I worked on the title sequence for the 100, mm-hmm. just kind of like a CW show. 
and that was like that was kind of fun and, and it like reignited that thing in me where i was like oh, i hadn't worked on titles in a while like this was like a cool mm-hmm. title to work on um and then in like 2017 i ended up going freelance and i kind of ended up finding a company or they found me it was alma mater and it's a really small company so like again this like dynamic change and alma mater is like three people it's like a wow, producer okay. a creative really director <laughs> and like the visual effects like supervisor 3d guy and so getting in with them was really interesting um because i found that we had a lot in common creatively and professionally and the way that we think about things mm-hmm. and we just started collaborating on things and it became a very fruitful and awesome relationship. So then I got to, I worked on um, Rough Night with them, which was like a Scarlett Johansson movie or something. It was really goofy, like Mm -hmm. silly film, but it was like all neon. And it was like, I kind of did like the, just like animation compositing on it. Uh, But it was a fun, it was like, I was getting back into film and I was like, oh, this is cool again. And then, and then two big films landed there at the same time. And it was um, the Lego movie two and spider verse. Mm-hmm. And Brian was like, so which would you like to work on? And I was like, <laughs> Spider-Man. Spider-Man, definitely. <laughs> I was like, 100%. <laughs> because like, you know, they had done the... It's Spider-Man. Uh, it doesn't need any further explanation. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> no. Of course you can explain it. <laughs> at, well, at the first time it was like, uh, the teaser was just out then. And mm-hmm. I had seen the teaser and I was just like, this is going to be different. Like this mm-hmm. is unique. So I want to, I want like with this and uh, I knew like for the, so they had done the first Lego movie and the first Lego movie, what they ended up doing was they kind of like uh, did pre-visualization for the entire sequence, like in CG, but it, mm-hmm. it ended up being a full stop motion piece. So I was like, oh, you guys are going to do something. I was like, I feel like that's a little bit different out of my wheelhouse if you guys do that. And then they were ended up doing the second one full CG, like photo real CG. Right. And I was like, that's not my bag. Like I can do it. I can play in that area, but it's not like, it's not my forte. It's not really what I'm useful at. And I was like, Spider-Man looks like it's going to be a mix mash of everything that I've learned for the past. Like, like stylistically, it suits you more. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, um it's throwing things together. It's like graffiti. I was, I was like, I got into graffiti. I was like, you know, there's like, um, there's just like textural things and it feels hand tactile. And like, you know, there's all these things that we wanted to do that I was like, this feels like experimental to me where that feels like very kind of like, <laughs> not institutional, but just very like, it's, it's a pretty CG You have thing to follow and, very specific parameters. Yeah. And right. like the Lego movie just has like crazy parameters too. Like, Brian, well, I mean, the way that Brian thinks too is like he, everything that is in that sequence can actually be built with Legos. Like there oh, wow. is no, there is no impossible use of Legos really? or colors. They're all colors that actually exist in the Lego library. And like, so there was a lot of experimenting. So you could replicate anything in the movie. Yes. Yeah. And that, that was really important to the filmmakers too. Like mm-hmm. that, the fact that not only can this like for their world play and be like, fantasy but also you could build anything in it like you know what i mean like you anything they build you could build so it's like that was a very important thing so that takes a different level of thinking because you're like oh, i'm gonna take this design of i don't know a castle or whatever and build it you're like well how would it really build like is that a six by two and this, you know it's like all this yeah. like different so i was like i don't want any part of that that's that's cool but <laughs> sounds hard <laughs> i was like that's cool but uh i'm gonna do this over here 
So uh, Brian, Brian was amazing. And he basically like was directing the Lego two and like we co-directed the spider verse together. So he was mm -hmm. like, he was double dipping and it was very impressive. And he's an amazing brain to like very much like a mentor of my life and helped me learn things and how to like approach projects. So yeah. So like that, all that to say is, you know, I kind of like bounced around doing like film TV and then kind of like just commercial promo stuff and then kind of back in like the film world and I augment it augment film stuff with like still broadcast stuff in between or whatever like mm -hmm. normal jobs um just because film stuff just doesn't isn't that regular for me but it, it does right. appear a lot but yeah so then it's like it's all that daytime learning and stuff and then I'm also doing my own personal stuff in the evening so it's like it's, I'm always like kind of just pushing myself around to figure things out yeah, I, I was going to ask, you know, in terms of the personal stuff, obviously that's where the NFTs kind of shine, right? Mm -hmm. Because for listeners, all <laughs> the stuff we've just talked about, you can see video clips of all this stuff on friedpixels.com. And they're, they're amazing video sequences. <laughs> I love it. So have a look at that. Uh, I'm, I was actually looking around on your Hicket Nunk. I picked up a piece. Oh, thanks. Uh, let's see, which piece was it? It was... Um, da -da -da -da. Object 76702. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, oh, that is. Uh... It's your uh, fishy situation. Oh, piece. yeah. I picked one of those up. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's so fun. tell me about your experience with uh, NFTs. Let's start with Tezos, though. I mean, that's kind of a recent phenomenon yeah. that a lot of people are getting into. I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm new to crypto, period, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so like at the end of the year of 2020 and all of, the things are happening and you're kind of, I was watching it from a distance mm -hmm. and I've never messed with crypto because it's just like the volatility of it, like mm -hmm. scares the bejesus out of me. <laughs> and like, you know, it's you volatile. see all these, you see all these like stories of like, you know, like, Oh, there's a person who had like a ton of like uh Bitcoin and then it dropped and then mm -hmm. they like, you know, went super depressed and sad. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to distance myself from all of that. And then like, you know, like the people stuff started happening and then I watched like his first drop and I was like, I don't understand this. And then his second drop happened. And I was like, I was like, Oh, people just like, people just took art to 2.0. I was like the mm. moment that he did the physicals and he did the, that drop and I saw how it did and how fast it got ate up. I was like, this is like, that was it for me. That was a page turner for me, regardless of how many people had been trying to do it before that, like, because it was so close to my industry too. And it's like somebody who's in my industry. It's somebody who like I've met. It's, you know, all of those things. It's like that moment was like, Oh, this is the thing. Now I'm going to watch it for real. Mm -hmm. And I was watching it and I was like, all right, well, you know, fuck it. Let's jump in. Why not, <laughs> so, right? so I, I jumped in and probably like, you know, February, I was, I put in an application to like known origin. Right. Yeah. And, I see your stuff on known origin. Yeah. And then I got in in April actually and mm -hmm. with them and, and then I didn't really apply to the other platform because I felt like, I don't know, nifty felt too out of reach already in mm -hmm. a way. Like I, I just, it, it felt so weird and super rare was like a video interview. And I just kind of felt, I don't know. My problem just, was super rare is that you have to have five pieces that you basically have to sit on for months hoping oh. that they'll accept you because they want them to be five pieces that are going to be for their platform. Oh, interesting. And so I would love to be on Super Rare, but 
that would mean putting my heart and soul into five pieces that I just have to bury. Like I yeah. can't show them. I can't yeah. have them anywhere. And you don't know how long it's going to take before they get yeah. back to you. Yeah. It could be months. There it could, could be. Yeah. So, cause I don't want to just put in something that I've made in 45 minutes or an hour. Yeah, I want yeah. something that I put a serious effort into. Right. Yeah. So, so that's, I mean, and that's kind of like, was my initial reaction to, as I saw a lot of people posting, older work which i mean it's great but it's like you know you've been sitting on it you think it's it has value it's it's things that you love and i understand it but i wanted to make new stuff like mm -hmm. i i wanted it to be things that were thought about for the platform right so you know i applied to known origin because they did additions and i liked that idea of like mm -hmm. doing small additions mm -hmm. um but and then i also then i you know i got on foundation because i was like invite and it's easy to get on and so yep. I, I posed my first two to, to foundation. Some people might be upset with you saying it's easy to get on. With, you know, <laughs> I well, hear from people all the time who are like, hey, do you have a foundation in? But oh, I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't. Oh, well, I guess, I, I mean, at the time, I feel like at the start of it, there was enough invites going around. Before there were at it, the beginning, yes. Before it blew up, then yes. it just like became really, really, really hard, I guess. Now it so is let, me, let, me, let me frame it that way. <laughs> but, you know, like I put two pieces on there that I made and um they are still sitting there and i've like mm. lowered them like twice and mm -hmm. it's because i first came out and i was like you know it's all relative it's it's tough to like say prices of things but it was like one and a half and i was like i've seen pieces sell for this it's like i could do that and then i was like oh actually that's like you know too much let me knock it down and then now they're like sitting at like whatever the lowest value is i was like oh actually you know it's, what? it's tricky because ethereum's so volatile I know. So, and then I've heard that like people were like, oh, just don't like, don't change prices. That's bad. And I was like, well, you know, to me, I was like, that's not just the price point where I thought it should be at. I was like, I was like, if it was like meant for 400 and now suddenly it's like 1100, I was like, that is such a difference to me. I was like, I don't yeah, see yeah, that yeah. as. Yeah. So, but those are my first two pieces. And I actually, you know, um, they're cool. They're just, I don't think they're great though. And I, and mm. now I look at them and I'm like, you know, like, I understand, like, that's fine. And then I, I went on Known Origin and I was like, let me, you know, the other thing I liked about Known Origin, Known Origin was that, you know, uh, again, with Winbush, Winbush was putting me that they were doing like VR stuff. And I was like, mm -hmm. I've been, I've been playing with VR for the past, like, you know, at SIGGRAPH 2019, I went to uh, present for Maxon there and I saw the VR section with a friend and it really blew me away with what creative tool sets people were using to create like short films and mm -hmm. experiential pieces in VR. And I was like, I'm sold. I want to play with that. And so I started playing with it and I played with it for a year and just learning. And then the next year, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to start making things. And so now mm -hmm. I've, now I've kind of really dove into like figuring out how to use it to present things that I feel like are in my voice and vision. And I feel like my two pieces that are on known origin speak to that. Mm. the first piece i put up was like a 360 mm -hmm. it's kind of like a, a f into the pixel forest and it's like a yep. 360 kind of look around and it's like kind of really zen surreal lighting that's like you know just feels like you're it's beautiful like I'm you can just escape right to a place and you can just like move around in it rotate yeah and it and i put it up and it like had a bid within an hour or something and i was mm. like that's awesome and mm -hmm. it made me feel so great and then you know I ended up talking to the collector and then, you know, you know, he was like, what do I got to do just to like, what do I got to do to end this auction? Let's just, and I was like, all right, well, let's do this. And then, you know, we negotiated and we figured it out and it's his and he's like, 
he loves it and he's like man like this is so great i'm so excited to see you on known origin he's like there hasn't been that many like cool like 360 stuff and he's like this is just mm. like next level and i was like great so i love it for that and then the next piece i put on there um there's a festival called uh fitc it used okay. to be flash in the can now i think it's like something totally different now i think it's like i don't know i should probably know but i, I couldn't don't know. tell you <laughs> but <laughs> but they uh so they recently had their 20th anniversary okay and they wanted to do uh have 20 artists make nfts and do an addition of 20. so i released a piece on there mm -hmm. and i really wouldn't have done such high of addition but it was part of the theme of the show to do it so I that's why i did saying. it yep. and their theme was reflection so they had like 20 artists doing thing themes around reflection so i did a piece that still feels like in my world but kind of tied to that idea and but i mean you know like they like the speakers and presenters that they've had you know like that conference they had Beeple and G Monk and you know Rafik and the, all these people were in the NFT world crossover there and Pez and like all these like, traditional artists too. So it was an mm -hmm. in interesting intersection. And at MK12 we had done titles for one of their conferences in 2011, I think we did we did it. You should watch that. It's a really bizarre uh, take on the intermission short films, like from like the drive-ins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. It's a very dark twist on that. It's called follow the sun. Uh, but we, so we did that short film for them and titles for them back then. And they were inviting past people to like take part in, in this show. So my second piece is from that. And that's kind of like hanging out on there. And so those are my two pieces that I feel like are starting to be the work that I'm happy with and liking mm -hmm. and I'm figuring this out. So that's been the interesting thing about like the NFT space for me is like, not only is it getting back to just making art, but it's also like thinking about like, what do you want to say? Like what themes do you want to convey? What series do you want to like present to people as like, these are my ideas because to me, I just don't want to sell a shiny render. I'm not like, hey, look at this, right. like, you know, skull that's really you cool. You want something looking. meaningful. Yeah. And so, like, to me, it's like, if I'm going to put work out there and I want people to get it, I also want to put work out there that I feel like I'm, I like and that I'm, I'm thinking about. And it's not just rehashing old stuff. So mm -hmm. that's been my experience with like the Ethereum stuff, but it's been so hard to kind of find footing. But then on that same regards, I'm not putting out the amount, the volume of work that some people are putting out right. because I feel like when you put out volume, then people can start kind of like cherry picking. And then once cherry picking starts happening, then it's kind of like collecting. You're like, oh, well, there's actually 20 pieces. Like, the, it, So it turns into this thing about bodies of work. And if I only have like three pieces out there, it's not really that much to like kind of like pick and choose from. And it's also not enough to see like who I am either so, because this is all exists outside of like everything else i've Isn't done it okay to kind of you know have both like you know some artists might be the type that do have a huge body of work and some might be more selective yeah i i mean i hope so i that's what that's how i feel so i feel like i'm just i'm just thinking of this as like the patient long game where mm -hmm. like i originally wanted to get in because i like i said like i saw people's push as like an art 2.0 and i was like this is like a digital media kind of like great thing happening i want to be a part of it even if i'm not mm -hmm. successful in it i just want to be in it 
<laughs> and that then is I, successful though, right? Like, and, I, well, I mean, there's there's the monetary element. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I just right? mean like um, maybe defining sex success as like uh, having interest in like your next pieces, like that mm -hmm. kind of like already like kind of like interest. So I feel like I'm just trying to figure it out. So that's been a tough space to figure out, and like you know. But you've been in it for what a month or two? Uh, Pretty yeah. Short. Yeah, it's 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 not long, so it's like yeah, yeah, it's like I'm just figuring it out, and I want to just, I don't, yeah, I just don't want to do like the, I want to do the quality over quantity, so I'm just trying to figure it yeah. out, slow no, pace. I think that's that's a good approach. And sure. then and then Hickok Nunk appeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so and then I was like, you know, like this is um, very interesting to me because mm -hmm. it became what I thought. I think everyone has this, but it's like what I thought the Ethereum spaces were going to be was like, I have all these cool friends. I'm going to collect all their stuff. And then when it's like, oh, actually that, you know, EJ pieces cost $2,000 or that costs like, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to snap that up right now. Yeah. Yeah. It changes it. But it's like, you know, like all of his nami noms, like I want all of them. And it's like, uh -huh. I want those are amazing. But I was like, I don't have Ethereum. <laughs> like if I had been like into Ethereum early on and like I just was sitting on a pile, I'd be like, yeah, uh -huh. let's go for it. But well, like I'm saying here, like I was looking at this uh, fishy situation and I'm like, I picked up a James Ramirez for like one Tezos. Like yeah. that's freaking awesome. Right. And that's the beauty of Hicketnunk. Yeah. Yes. Is you can have this whole other kind of, and I was talking with uh, this morning with Magal, uh, Meta Art Gallery, about having different price points. Yeah. Right? For different purposes. Yeah. And, and well, so what it's, it's like, it's ba basically like the first moment that I could give friends artwork mm -hmm. was like, it was such a good feeling. And it was like better than selling something on like Ethereum. It was almost like, oh my gosh, I just got to give all my friends like artwork for free. It's amazing. And then I started just kind of like figuring out, like I just, it's been kind of an experimental playground. It's like I was playing yeah, yeah. some 3D objects. That's the fun of it though, right? Yeah. So you have some, <coughs> yeah, let's talk about some of these pieces. You have some pretty wild stuff on here. Like yeah, I was looking at, um, what's this one called here? Uh, it's harder to find titles. Gemini scan. That's a pretty yeah. cool one. Oh yeah. So, I mean, <coughs> excuse me. I just have this like tickle in my throat. No worries. It's, it's um yeah it's it's been like that's kind of like a particle scan kind of ui type like animation and it reminds me of something like assassin's creed which i think you also oh. had some involvement in at some point did you not yeah i did like a trailer for them for like one of their uh games that was coming out <clears throat> so it's like you know it, it's been an interesting place to like play around and see like uh what is interesting to people like mm -hmm. what do people want to collect what do like what are people like not interested in and then also like just the idea that i didn't realize you know you could do like 3d objects like on super rare i didn't realize they had been doing that but i feel like they didn't really take off until like hickok nunk was doing them and then everyone loves them so i was playing around <laughs> with it, just trying to figure out like again it's like exporting some of my vr work to mm. like cinema 4d to like make these kind of like 3d objects mm -hmm. and you know it's it's just been fun to figure out and then now I think I'm at a place where it's like, I want to start doing some refined series on there. So now that's okay. like my next goal is like, I want to do like editions of five or not, mm -hmm. not editions, but like here's five in a series and kind of like release a series and see how that does. And then, but like Have kind you looked of at Calament at all. It's another Tezos. I, I, art I haven't looked at it. Um, I was going to look at that. It's more of like a curated platform, right? Where they're I think selecting so, but people. I mean, surely somebody like you could get on there. 
yeah, I don't know. I I kind of just, you know, I landed over here because um, one of the early, like, animators uh, that really got me into, like, motion and stuff in the, like, early 2000s was uh, James Patterson, who goes by mm. PressTube. And he was promoting Hikiknunk a lot mm-hmm. as a platform. And he's kind of, like, one of the people that, you know, like made me kind of make the jump over to here and, and kind of get in. And there's all these people who are early in the web days that were doing again, back to this like idea of like doing interactive flash stuff. People are doing interactive pieces on here that are procedural or uh, generative. And so I like that experimentation. And so I kind of liked that platform as I just liked this place as a, as a platform and it's very like odd and quirky and I kind of like it. About I like it. it. I like the freedom of it. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's just such a different thing when you can mint for like eight cents. <laughs> like, totally, right? It's just crazy, but it's fun. I mean, it's been like, it's been fun. And I feel like I thought that that's what I was getting into with like the Ethereum space. And right, the Ethereum space is just more serious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's also because you're paying so much, you know, you're like paying, you know, $200 to mint something. And you're like, well, man, do I, do I really believe in this piece to put it out there in the world or have I spent 200 on something that's going to sit there? And it's like, but again, it's like, you know, you're trying to like, well, and that happens, right? I have yeah. pieces sitting on known origin right now that yeah. I spent well over a hundred dollars to mint them. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're not sold. Yeah. I mean, that's like my edition is up there right now. And it's like, right? I lowered it to just like be at a fair price point with Ethereum spike. And I was like, Oh, for sure. Like some of these are going to like pop off. I was like, because I like this piece. And I was like, well, you know what, if not, I'm just gonna let it, just like my friend Brandon Parvini was like, calls it marinating. He's like, your pieces are just out there marinating. And I was like, I love it. I was like, they're just going to hang out. And I was like, maybe, you know, like down the line, you know, if somebody got interested in my work and then they're like, I'm going to go back and see what else is out there and find it. So that's beautiful work. I'm sure it'll sell. It's just that right now, because Ethereum had been so high yeah. and it was climbing, yeah. you know, if you're sitting on a bunch of Ethereum, it's not, there's not a whole lot of incentive to spend it at that point. Yeah. So it's like, it's weird. It's like, it feels like it's just a, goes back to that. Like it's such a volatile space that it also changes mm-hmm. how people are spending it and collecting. So um, speaking of volatility, what did you think of the crash today? Or you, actually <laughs> you said you don't really pay attention to it at all. Yeah. I tried to, I try to do like weekly check-ins. <laughs> oh, that's I, healthy. That's healthy. I do I, probably 75 check-ins a day. I'm guessing, oh, <laughs> you know, like it's a little I, much. I, I've been around people who got obsessed with stocks mm. and the the difference with stocks normally though, is that there's a market open and close. So there's right. a time so you can take a, a break. Yeah. There's a shutoff point, but with like crypto, it's like just 24 hours a day. You're, you're going, yeah. uh, sure. There's still like patterns within that, that dip or go quieter, but it's still, it's still ongoing. And I just, I never wanted to be obsessed with something and constantly checking it and like, I just try to limit myself in 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 that to not be as um like if you don't as an artist if you don't want to get caught up in the monetary side of all of this like I'm not selling or this only sold for this or this is worth this or whatever like the other side of it is to try to cut that part off and not pay as much attention to it and if you don't pay as much attention to it then it's like I'm putting out work artwork out there I'm building a body of work it's fine and the only part where that comes into play with me is like, oh, what are minting fees right now? And if I'm going to get more Ethereum, am I getting it like at a good 
time. Like those are the kind right. of moments where you pay attention right. for a little bit and then sure. then trying to price. Like then you're trying to price it in pricing a market. Very difficult. Yeah. yeah, you're pricing it uh, and it's like constantly changing. So it's like it's tough to keep up with that. But at least like changing prices isn't doesn't cost too much. So it's like I feel like I'll do like a, you know, a check-in every once in a while and be like, where is this at? Like do I right. feel I mean, as fair? long as you're lowering prices, it yeah. doesn't cost much usually. Or yeah, it, yeah. In some cases, it doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Right? It's like six bucks, like 10 bucks yeah, yeah, or something, yeah. which it's, isn't bad. So, yeah. so yeah, I, you know, I always, you know, to me, um, like being in a digital world, th th this, this strikes a weird, I've, this is the first time I'm ever like verbalizing this, but it's like, mm -hmm. Being on a computer, doing so much computer work, I always get kind of like down about the fact that I have nothing physical, that nobody can own my stuff. So when I mm, get like a physical side of things, like I get a print of something or I work on a movie that made a poster and then there's a poster. So there's something that you can have of mine. I love right. that moment. The tangibility and then, of it. Yeah. And then now it's nice that there's this kind of flip side where it's like it can still stay digital, but people can still get your stuff. So like I equated it like being like Hickok Nunk, I think about being at like a zine fest and you're walking around and you're like, whoa, I like your stuff. I want that. And it's like, that's five bucks or that's it's just 15 very fun bucks. and casual. Yeah. yeah. And it's just kind of like you're engaging and you're just kind of like supporting people and encouraging them to do more. And it's like a different platform. So like I, that's the thing that I always go about, like with digital art that kind of bums me out a lot is that not having something to represent periods of time of your life. So it's like I could work on a film for a year and then what do I have at the end of that year to represent that my time was spent doing something and it's often there's nothing. But like when it's a movie, it's like, oh, well, here's a film poster. Here's a DVD. Here's a like you can have some. Have sort you ever of like, been part of like, a, you know, a failed production? You don't have to name any names, but have you ever been part of something that, you know, it just didn't work? Um, I'm pretty sure there's been. I mean, there, there's been a few like that. I mean, sometimes like projects go sideways, client yeah, changes yeah. their mind, like or stuff mm -hmm. gets cut. So that happens. I mean, I feel like it's usually I feel like I'm getting involved with where things are pretty greenlit and like, yeah, yeah, are, are set down a path. But, mm -hmm. you know, there's been times where like, you know, uh, things didn't pan out. Like, I don't know, like comes to mind um, another Mark Forrester films. He worked on that uh, World War Z film. Mm hmm. And that production went so sideways that like he was like, Hey, look, you guys can pitch titles if you want, but I can't help you. Like I'm in my own mess. Like I just can't literally just can't like vouch. I mean, I can vouch for you, but that's about it. And so we presented ideas and we did all this work and we thought they were a great fit for the film. And then they just went elsewhere. And I don't did even, they, I, no. I don't even know if they did titles period. I think they just were in such a mess that they just were like, boom title so <laughs> there's things like that where you put in a lot of time and effort and thought into it but you also like being in a, in a client facing industry you just something that i tell like younger people in the industry is like you can't take it personally nothing is personal right. Right. nothing is ever personal it, you just have to think of it as like even though you did blood sweat and tears over that design they're not saying like they hate you <laughs> they're just right. saying that that's not a right fit for this or that use the wrong colors for their brand like coke doesn't like purple or something you know what i mean it's like you like there's all these things that happen that you just can never feel like it's personally your fault or there's other factors at play i've pitched on movies that i really put in a lot of 
design and thought into the concepts and I thought they were great. And then director didn't pick it. And right. that's just how it goes because it's just, sometimes it's about a relationship they have or wanting to work with somebody or somebody said the right key phrases to like win them over, you know? So sure. it's like, it's like all of these different things that happen and um, yeah, things, things fall apart. Things uh, there's failures, failures teach you to get better for the next one. So it's like, mm -hmm. it's all, it's all process. I had it happen where there was a company that asked me to, to do some sketches and concepts and they're like, Oh, and do you know any other folks who might be interested in it? And I was like, yeah. And I mentioned some and they brought them in and oh. they ended up taking them on and yeah. said, said to me, actually your style's not quite as well suited. I was like, shit, why did I mention these other people? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, that's, that's tough. Like that's, but it happens, right? Yeah. Or, you know, sometimes it happens in a different way where it's like you worked with a producer on a job and that producer, had the relationship and they go to another studio and then they give that studio the work. You know what I mean? So it's like, sometimes there's just right. these other connections that are beyond mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm. but yeah, you can't yeah. control that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, where I've, where I've tried to get into my mentality in making things for TV and film and broadcast or whatever is that I want to enjoy the creative process mm. with, the people I'm making with it in such a way that I have an impact that they want to come back for more, mm -hmm. that it's not necessarily just putting out a blind feeler for like six people, but it's like, Hey, you know what? We really liked working on that project with James. We thought, we thought that he brought something to it. So let's go back to him. Like that mm -hmm. to me is like, if you can get to that point with relationships with, with people, then I feel like you're, you're in, you're winning. Like that's the goal to be at. So I feel like that's where I'm at where like most of the jobs that I take on are through places that I've done stuff for that I'm like recurring clients, recurring kind of like people who enjoy like working with me or you know, it's kind of like my relationship with Alma Mater. Like we keep making stuff together because we really get along and there's a lot of trust in each other. Makes and, sense to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, you know, like they've, like they're actually, I'm on a film project right now and in the middle of it, so I can't really say much, but it's like, they've given me the benefit of respect and trust to let me direct it and do it within okay. their support system. But it's the first time that I'm getting that creative ownership. That online. kind of autonomy on it. Yes. Yeah. So Spider-Verse was like, you know, we co-directed it. Now this is kind of like, here, look, this is you. you, you, you go for it. And I was like, and not a lot of places like, will oh, do shit. that. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, it's amazing and scary at the same time. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. but you still it's... struggle with that imposter syndrome kind of element. You know, I, I see a common thread here with a lot of the folks I've talked to yeah. recently. Where I think it's still I th an element. I think every artist has it. And I, I think it's just about acknowledging it <laughs> because yeah. sometimes you just, it, I think it, it's always that thing is like, say like, you know, Spider-Verse perfect example where like we were working on it and I was like, there's so many better people who could be doing this. Like <laughs> I've seen people like sell animate Spider-Man doing amazing shit. Like there's no reason why like I should uh -huh. be doing this. And, but then you just kind of like, you know, you just embrace that you're in a, you're at the right place at the right time and you just kind of go for it and do, do what you can. And so you know, in the, in the heat of it, you never know how it's going to turn out and it could bomb or it could be great. You don't, it's so hard to have perspective while you're in the midst of the storm. Right. But like, that was one of those projects where I was like, as soon as we won it, I was like, 
I just want to be on the other side. <laughs> I was like, I just want to be on the other side where this is done and I love it and we're happy. I was like, but the process to get there is going to be such a treacherous mm -hmm. path. And it was hard, but I mean, yeah, I, I feel like you're always going to like question if you're the best one for the job, but I feel like the beauty about being in most of these fields is that you get to collaborate with great people and friends right. and, mm -hmm. and rely on people who are better than you and like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. cultivating that kind of creativity together to do something that you couldn't do alone. So right. do you see happened. that in the NFT space kind of that you're kind of putting yourself, I feel like sometimes like it's like, you know, a lot of artists are kind of putting themselves in a more vulnerable spot because prior to this, it's been client work. But yeah. this stuff that you're presenting as an NFT, this is you. Like, this is yeah. your personal expression. It's not like some client said to you, hey, I want you to do this, this, and this. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, <clears throat> I think it's been, it's been something that I think, you know, back to this, like, you know, you're kind of really focusing on making art again. And art is so subjective that it gets, gets yeah. really easy to judge others. Like, you want to sure. be like, oh, that's gross. Why would you put out that? And you're like, you don't know what that means to them or their journey or like why they're doing that. So it's like, and it's so diverse that you just have to celebrate that and be like, it's so cool that there's somebody who's doing that thing and this thing and that thing and this thing, because it, if everyone was like in unison, it would be boring. Pretty and bland. Like, yeah. And it would all be the same. <laughs> it's like, you know, so, but what I have found is that, you know, like through this, I've talked to artists that I wouldn't have necessarily had a conversation with before. Sure. I've seen collaborations between people that I wouldn't have connected the dots before. And, you know, like I've, you know, we've kind of like formed like a small like discord of people who communicate and, and help each other. And, you know, like it kind of started from like the game night crew with Winbush of like, you know, right. it was a lot of us getting into this space that we hadn't been in before. None of us knew about crypto. We're like sitting there on discord, like, how do you make a wallet? I don't know. What did you do? What did you, how did you make this? Did you make a hiccup? How no, did you do like, that? I lost my Ethereum. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, it's like all of these things and we're all figuring it out together. Yeah. and but we're all supporting each other right and you know the other thing is is that in the art world of of this kind of subjectiveness i feel like there's also you need a safe space to be able to like critique yourself and others as well because mm. not everything you poop out is great and sometimes you just need somebody to tell you that you know it's like hey yeah you know like <laughs> the, the render's good but like what else are you gonna do like what do you mean what else was in here i was done it's like well <laughs> this is perfect what are you talking about <laughs> maybe you should add some like sound to that and it's like oh that's yeah it's a good idea or you know i've also contemplated adding a sound element to my stuff but i don't know i gotta find people that are interested in doing that with me that's the yeah part. i mean i i basically like you know i broke <laughs> down and like i bought uh i bought like a a groove oh, box recently okay so that i could just learn how to make right some sort of sounds and i was like yeah. you know i was like i'd really you know it goes back to this like feeling bad about asking people for their time like hey do you want to do sound design for my piece that i don't know if it's gonna sell or if it's just gonna <laughs> exactly, am i gonna pay right? you like it's like you can get money if it sells <laughs> yeah and that's weird right like you don't like yeah. i would i would just want to pay somebody but it's like what if i pay you 500 dollars for this track this loop and then it just sits there. So totally. now, now I've minted it for three hundred dollars. I've I paid you. Most people are willing to go in on something like that, knowing that they may or may not get the money. Because yeah, you know, like but that's it, what I really like with Known Origin is you can set it up as a collab from the start, yeah, right, and split yeah. it. And you know, so yeah, it's, it's it's you're just trying to figure it out. And I was like, you know, like it's not that I'm gonna like be an amazing like 
audio designer or something. And I was like, but I can make some like abstract sounds to go with sure. my pieces. And so mm-hmm. that's what I just want to figure out. And I was like, if I did something that was higher level where I needed a custom score or sound design, then I would go to somebody for that. And like, right. I would be willing to be like, Hey, let's just do this 50, 50 or whatever mm-hmm. that cause is. But like, if I just want to do like a audio reactive loop and I just need something like I can, you know, I want to learn. And it's something that I've been interested in for years anyway. So it's like, it feels like, you know, I'm, the next it's, step it's within reach for me to be yeah, able to yeah, like yeah. augment my stuff with things and make it more personal so yeah but you know it's like a it's an interesting place to have artists come together as like communities and do things together um i have a piece that's coming out in the um seven genesis website that uh tim king's doing mm-hmm. um illustrator and so he's doing a group show with like the get nft um discord which is like david ariev has kind right. of been the one who put that community together so his name's come up a lot lately on my show <laughs> he's i mean he's I just to like get him on the show yeah i mean he's he's good peoples <laughs> he's like i feel like he has you know the, I, I same thing with like you know kind of like ej and winbush there's this kind of recurring theme in the motion design world where there's people who are willing to put knowledge out there right and help others and i feel like you know what david has done is like given people an ability to learn a lot of the stuff that he's learned and taught himself and Mm -hmm. you know i i think he's done a lot for the community so it like even this like that get get nft group has been a interesting collective of people from all across the board and i think that shows gonna be really fun like i think that comes out like a month or something but you know i submitted a piece to that and you know, like, it's just cool to see like these different, like, I think group shows is something that I, I was waiting to start happening because like, that's mm-hmm. kind of like gallery shows. Like, you know, yeah. like yeah. you get a, a nice group of artists that you really like and give them a theme or something and see what everyone comes up with. And yes. that's what this is. And so I'm excited for more things like that. And those that's types cool. of collaborations and, you know, like the mix master Mike and like Winbush, like that's like, yes, that's so amazing to me. That, it like, keeps your mind, you know, kind of going and thinking of yeah. new ideas and keeps that creative creativity going, right? Yeah. So just like, I mean, I think everyone has said this, but I feel like, you know, this is the start. There's going to be yep. so much more this coming. And I think it's going to get more exciting. Um, and I I just, I love, I, I love the energy and the creative, like, um, group mentality that everyone has that you know we're kind of in this together we're learning together we're supporting each other everyone is standing up for like the artist rights and on these different platforms and everything and it's cool to see it's like a it's something that i i obviously nobody predicted but it's a to have this surface um is really cool and i i I think it's I think it gives more great. voices to the artists, right? Like it yeah. the fact that you have this NFT that kind of gives you the identity with your work, it gives the artists more power and more representation, right? Yeah, and I mean and like you said too, it's also getting a chance to see what people would be up to on their own. Like Right. Yeah. What do you what are you doing in your spare time? Like what does that look like and what does that look like if you actually wanted to like present that to people? And so it's cool to see like, you know, what what people have been sitting on. Well, you're mm-hmm. like, I didn't even realize you painted. Like you paint, like that's amazing. Or like, I don't know. So it's cool to like see that side of people. And then also like, I mean, yeah, I feel like everyone in the motion design industry is so client focused, like see people right, like, of like you said, like, you know, 
kind of make that realization of like, oh, actually I could spend like X amount of time on client stuff, but also then spend time making my own stuff. And I feel like that balance is like, everyone needs that in their life. Like I'm always mm-hmm. saying that, like just in my industry is like work-life balance is so important because if you burn yourself out, it's really hard to recover from that. And what a better way to just like be making your own stuff and like making your own art and like supporting yourself through that is like a very empowering thing. And, 100%, yeah. and it, you know, it's, it's, I, I, yeah, I mean, I feel like everyone's been waiting for this moment. So like, here it is, like what's going to happen. Yeah. It's awesome. Hey, I really appreciate you taking this time with me. And I have to say again, like amazing stuff. I was just oh. blown away looking through your work. It's, it's incredible. I really you know? appreciate that. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. And, uh, I just want to wish you all the best in, uh, this new kind of, uh, area that you've joined in on. And, uh, yeah, I hope uh, you enjoy what happens over the next few months. I hope Ethereum doesn't crash too hard. (laughs) Or just, or just low enough for me to get some more and then stay in it. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome to like have these conversations with like, you know, and, be able to get like a, a spotlight in such a saturated like world of you know artists and stuff so thanks for taking the time to to talk with me and thanks Absolutely. to to winbush for the recommend for sure yeah my <laughs> pleasure though yeah and uh, yeah thanks to winbush as well right on hey take care all right man see ya see ya thanks again for listening to the non-fungible podcast see you again soon